Good morning. Oh, thank you. Everybody's so excited that I could say good morning that they clapped. So they weren't sure what to expect this morning. I haven't really taught in a long time, so I'm really thankful for this opportunity to begin, as uh, John said, this new series called Campfire Stories and the uh, Parables or Stories of Jesus. And uh, over the last, by the way, I just want to let you know, I wore this shirt to kind of give off a vibe of of feeling good and health and and just, and of course I look good, but all those, all those things. But the last time I wore this, some of you may remember this, um, I told the story about why I bought it, because I don't normally wear pink. I have nothing against pink, it's just I don't think it looks good on me, but I was wrong. And, uh, and at the store, I went to the store, I said to the person, they were showing me different different um, shirts, and uh, I bought a few, but he says, oh, look at this one, this would look good on you, and it was this one, and I said, well, I'm not really a, a pink person, and he says, no, it's not pink, it's salmon, so, so I bought it, and then I got home, and Debbie says, it's pink, <laughs> he just told you that to sell it to you, so, so after that sermon, I got a whole bunch of emails, people fighting back and forth, as whether it was pink or salmon. Nobody, nobody heard the sermon, but they wanted to comment on whether it was pink or salmon. So, but it, it was, this is 37 years I've been, I've been teaching, and some, one of the problems is when you're, when you're getting ready to teach, I, as those who know me, I either like talking about our dogs when we had dogs, or about our kids, or have some funny story. I always like to start off with a funny story just to get people laughing and engaged, and I thought, boy, I could, like this pink story, uh, there's so many stories I've told, which ones should I tell, not knowing whether I told them or not? And then I realized, well, nobody pays attention anyway, and they're, <laughs> and they're not going to remember, so I might as well tell a couple of, a couple of stories. It, I like the one I spoke a few, uh, like back, way back, months ago, and uh, my granddaughter, our granddaughter, who was two, was sitting back there. She had never heard me speak before. She didn't know. She'd never seen me on stage. And as I was walking up on the stage, you could hear this, what the heck? <laughs> so she was quite surprised by all that. Um, another old joke was a joke that I made up. I was using golf though I dislike golf greatly. Sorry for those of you who love golf. But I dislike golf, and I, I ended up saying, well, I gotta, there's, golf is a perfect illustration of a principle I want to teach. So I said, before I used the principle, I said, you know, I don't like golf. I'd rather have a root canal while listening to country and western music <laughs> than, than play golf. And the funny thing is, I was expecting all these golf people to send me emails saying, how could you say that, that golf is the greatest sport in the world? You should try it, I have. And, don't, and just don't say bad things about golf. That's what I was expecting. But all my emails were about, don't badmouth country and western music. <laughs> I love country and western music. I never thought that'd be an, be an issue. So, and I just want to give you one 
new one here that I, my brother-in-law sent this picture. He sends, us, sends me pictures all the time. And this says, not campfire stories. Oh, yeah. Over the next few weeks, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many other witnesses. Then he ascended into heaven. Where, where I can't see him. And he has ascension deficit disorder. <laughs> take, that, take that home with you and think about that for a while, then it'll make sense to you. I, I just love that. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you now to continue to teach us. Thank you for enabling us through giving, through worship and song, to serve you, to experience your presence. And we pray now that you would tear, tear down any walls or barriers or obstacles that prevent us from hearing from you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> So I just want to tell you a little bit about my journey. Some of you who don't know this uh, know that I've been walking through a bit of uh, health issues, and I felt I should share this with you because I haven't been here in months, and I thought I should share a bit of the journey that myself and my family, and of course you guys, have walked through. Um, it started back in January 12th, and I won't go into great detail about all of this. It started back in January 12th, and I was having trouble uh, with my left eye uh, vision, my peripheral vision. I was running into things. Debbie was very nervous about my driving because I almost pulled into lanes. Couldn't see anything out of my left side here. And finally, our circle group, we met on a Wednesday, and uh, Debbie was telling about this, and they said, and I didn't really want to go to the doctor. I have nothing against doctors, and I've received fantastic care. Um, I just am not a doctor person. And so Debbie said, we got to go. So we went Thursday morning. We got there, and a really good doctor at my medical clinic, not my doctor, but another doctor. And he took me through a bunch of tests, like, can you see this? Can you see this? And and so I just thought he'd say, well, it's going to go away or go see your eye doctor or something. But he says, okay, this kind of caught us both off guard. He said, I want you and your wife to go to RUH. I'm going to phone the neurologist and he's going to meet you there. Uh, and when, he say, when somebody says something like that to you, you, don't, you kind of step back and go, this must be a serious issue. So we went there, the neurologist uh, did an MRI and a CAT scan and came back and said, I have uh, stage four in my brain, in my liver, in my lungs. And uh, so that caught us, of course, off guard. And uh, we just had to sit and give that over to Jesus because it was a shocking uh, news for us. Um, fortunately, we just got fantastic care. As I said, they put me right in the hospital so, and told me, don't leave. Don't even go and visit anybody. Just stay here. We just need to get you through this as fast as we can. We need to get biopsies and et cetera. So they were right, right from the get-go, took me through quickly. And we are very thankful for that because it was far more serious and still is than, than we were anticipating. And let me just thank you all for your support and prayers. And I know most of us are probably on holidays now, but I've... 
we get lots of uh, emails, lots of gifts, just all sorts of things I won't go into. Lots of support and prayers, and I want to thank you, you guys and our circle group. But I want to especially thank my, my family. Um, three of them are here, some, and Jelaine was up singing. And uh, Debbie has been such as we've, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary in June. And uh, thank you. It was all me who made that happen. No, believe me, it wasn't, as the kids will tell you. But I'm thankful for her support, all my appointments, which are numerous, and uh, scans and tests, and even what I, having my different pills at night or in the morning, she's got them sitting in little cups waiting for me. And so I'm just so thankful for you, Debbie, and for what you've done. Um, I wish I had time to tell you all the things that God has done in my life since this uh, time in December when we found out I, was, I had cancer. And let me just say that this has been the most spiritual, impactful, intense time of my, my life. I became a follower of Jesus when I was eight years old. I remember it very well. And uh, I'm now 60 something, 69, 69, so I'm 69, so it's been a long time that I've followed Jesus, and just so thankful, um, God is so good, that song just brought me to tears, um, but I am so thankful to Jesus for the many, the times of that night when I'm by myself in the hospital room initially, and just praying and crying, and not feeling so bad for my family, um, just, just needed the Lord's strength. And he provided it for me through your prayers and through mine as well. But the opportunities I have, and I'm not going to share all of them, I'll just share a couple. The opportunities I had to minister to people in the hospital, just over and over, every, almost every moment, God gave me an opportunity to come alongside somebody in very small ways, and in very what I consider large ways. There's a couple of examples. I was going up in the elevator with Debbie, and there is a, one of the hard things, for those of you who've been around cancer patients, knows kids who have cancer, it's got to be the worst thing to see. Um, I was going up the elevator, and there was a mom and a little baby in a stroller, and the baby had, uh, had an oxygen tube in his or her nose, and uh, so I looked at the baby, and I love kids, so I just, one of the things I miss is working with the kids here Sunday mornings, and I, I waved at the baby and, and smiled, and the baby, really young, waved back, and the mother just went emotional. She says, she, our ba my baby's never done that. My baby's never looked at somebody and waved, and that was such a positive experience for her. And another time, uh, a lady, I must have a loud voice, because a lady across the hospital room from me one night said, I hear you're a retired pastor. And I said, yes. She said, would you pray with me? And that was a meaningful time that set up a relationship after that. So God was able to use me in many, many ways. So the journey continues. I'm in remission right now. Um, I'll continue to do treatment. 
Thank you. I, I just know through this journey, as I've experienced already, I've, I'm never alone. Family, friends, neighbors, my circle community, my circle group, thank you that I, my wife and I are, and kids are never alone. So, as I mentioned, okay, I've got 12 minutes to do this sermon. <laughs> I, I shortened it on purpose anyway, I knew this would happen. So, I, as we mentioned before, this is a summer series, and I'm starting it off. So, I'm not going to look at a specific parable. I'm going to give an introduction to the purpose and principles behind the parables. So, each week you'll hear a different parable, but I'm going to give five principles or purposes of a parable that I hope will be helpful to you as you go through each week. In fact, it's, I think it's critical that you have these purposes and you have these principles to enable you to understand what each specific parable is about. Not just the ones we'll teach, but any parable of Jesus that you read. So I hope this will be helpful to you. So the first principle is this. Parables always point to Jesus and his kingdom. Now, we could say that about pretty much everything. In fact, Jesus said you could say that about everything in Scripture. All of Scripture, he said, points to me. And that is very true of the parables. So you want to be careful when you're reading a parable or learning about a parable that you think about what is the foundational teaching about Jesus and the kingdom of, of uh, heaven. What does this teach me about Jesus? What does this teach me about the kingdom of heaven? Now there's meaning for us in each parable. It's not all about Jesus and his kingdom. So you can find other meanings in it as well. But it's primarily pointing to who is Jesus and what is he up to in terms of his kingdom. The second principle is the individual parable has one major idea. Parables are not meant to be long, complicated, they're not meant to be allegories, like an allegory is a long picture. It takes something really small and makes it even bigger. And scholars over the, year have tried, over the years have tried to do that with Jesus' parables. Jesus, when he taught a parable, a story, to illustrate a point, he had one idea that he wanted us to take away. He had one main idea that he wanted us to pay attention to. So look for that main idea. You might find other great treasures in a parable. Just take the time and say, what's the one point Jesus is trying to get across? Third, the meaning of parables revealed to those who believed in Jesus and concealed from those uh, who did not. Parables were riddles. They were mysteries. And the, it was the purpose of the listener to unveil the meaning. And if you didn't believe in Jesus or you didn't care, the meaning would not be very clear. Even the disciples had struggles with the meanings of parables. Here's a really difficult Bible passage found in the first part of the Bible. No, sorry, the second part of the Bible, the second half in the New Testament, Matthew 3, 10 to 19. So this is a bit of a challenge, challenging passage. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told him them many things using parables or in parables. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, 
because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. That is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, to them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Now moving to more of a bit of a more positive message. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but do, did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, here's the thing I want you to pay attention to. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want people to understand his parables. It wasn't that he was teaching principles using parables and going, oh, I don't want those guys to understand it. What he is saying here is, I am throwing out stories, riddles, mysteries, and people who really believe in me, people who really care about what I'm teaching, people who are really seeking out the kingdom of God, who are sincere, they will understand. If you don't believe, if you don't care, if you're not sincere, if you're not seeking out the kingdom of God, then you won't understand. It's not um, believing is seeing. It's, it's not seeing is believing. It's believing is seeing. It's not seeing is believing, it's believing is seeing. You start with belief, and then your eyes are opened and you see. And that's how Jesus always did things. It starts with belief. Even when he did miracles, it started with belief. And then he was revealed, or his principles were revealed. And that's the case here. Fourth principle. The values of Jesus, the, sorry, the parables illustrate the values of Jesus and his kingdom. If you want to know what's important to Jesus and how we should live as kingdom citizens, read and meditate on the parables. Jesus makes bold claims that we are called to take seriously. We are called to live out these claims. We are called to take, we are called to take these claims seriously. Finally, parables used real life experiences of the listener. So Jesus was, he was born and raised in the culture of the day. He understood the culture, and it was important to him that people hear his principles by him telling stories that they understood. So if you go through the parables, and probably a bunch of them that we're going to be going through uh, will make sense to you, he would talk about farming a lot. The majority of the world were agricultural. They were farmers. The majority of the world uh, tilled the land or had animals. And so Jesus taught a lot about farming in his parables. He, taught, he used par uh, the parables of farming, illustration of farming a lot because he wanted the majority of people to get what he was talking about. He used things like power. At this particular time that Jesus taught, the Romans were in power. He wanted to talk about the inequality of society. So he talked about rich and poor, power and no power. He talked a lot about that in parables. And when people heard that, they understood because that was their life. In fact, the majority of the audience for Jesus were poor people, slaves, poor people. So when they heard that, they understood what Jesus was teaching. They understood his principles because the parables spoke to their real life. So those are five 
particular principles that I hope that you'll find helpful. And this is what I'd like to encourage you to do. Every Sunday, there's going to be a different parable. And you'll, if you miss because of, of uh, you're on summer holidays or something, you can go online and watch this series the, online. Or we'll have uh, in, let me see, what is the cdac.ch slash parables, you'll still have a list of all the parables that we taught. So you can go back and say, what did, what did I miss this past Sunday? So let me encourage you to do this using the principles that I've given you, is to take that list of parables and look at it, and every Sunday, read every day that week the parable that was taught. Read every day that week the parable was taught, and then don't just read it, meditate on it, think about it, and then ask, what do I do with this? How do I live this out in my life? Am I living this out in my life? So let me encourage you to do that. And by the end of the summer, you've not only heard some good teaching on parables, but you have taught yourself and the Holy Spirit has taught you as you've individually read and interacted and meditated on those parables. One night I was, I was having trouble sleeping. I still have, if you want to pray for me, if you think of me occasionally, Eating and sleeping are not my friends, and so I have trouble in both those areas. And in fact, today I'm feeling quite good, but it was because uh, Debbie convinced me and our doctor that I should take sleeping pills occasionally. And uh, so I took one last night and had a much better, better night. I don't want to do that every night, but if you think of me, please pray for me in that area. Um, so one night I was having trouble sleeping, and uh, an old chorus that some of you will recognize came to my mind and my heart. And it says this. I turned the chorus into a prayer. And I still pray this every day. Every morning I pray this. Lord Jesus, my desire this day is to love you more dearly, to follow you more nearly, and to see you more clearly. And that gets me through every day. That commitment in the power of the Spirit gets me through every day. As we walk through the parables, um, use this prayer to guide you in walking through the parables. Please stand. Over the past seven months, I've only felt well enough in the morning to come a few times to church, and every time has just been such a blessing. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity for you, for you and me to, to enjoy worshiping together and learning together. Um, the one time I came, oh, about oh, a few months ago, we sang a song. And uh, I'm not a real emotional person. If you ask the staff or my, my family, I'm not a big hugger, for instance. And now I'm hugging everybody. I just have turned into some sort of emotional person. And as I was listening to the... Uh, in, fact, in fact, my niece and nephew used to say when I hugged them, they'd look over my shoulder and go, Look, Uncle Wayne's hugging me. It was such a treat. Now I do it all the time. 
But uh, we were singing a song and just felt so emotional because of the words of the song. It just hit me um, in the midst of this in the midst of this journey with Jesus. And as I continue my journey, and as you continue your journey, whatever that might look like, I want you to remember these words from the song that we're going to sing together. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is holy, bound to his. Let's sing together. <laughs> 